I try to do a picture every year with my family. Yeah. And uh, I'll, normally I would bring it and I would show you. And um, we were going to do it in November this year, that year, particular year. And um, they just couldn't get it together. <laughs> you know, they're getting grown now. They're not riding bicycles or driving cars. I don't get to walk all of them to school anymore. They're graduating from college and all the rest. So they couldn't make it in November, and I was pretty upset. I was telling my wife about her kids <laughs> and her grandkids. I said, I take care of all of them. I give them this and do this, and, and they just can't sacrifice one day, just one day, just to take a picture with their grandpa. I was upset. I was highly upset. That was in November, but I, you know, I got to let it go. You know, got to preach on Sunday, so you got to let it go. Pick it up on Monday, but on Sunday, I got to let it go. A month later, it's in November, December now, and uh, they can all make it. So we set everything up with Pastor Benjamin and grandbabies, and everybody shows up. And I go early. And my wife says, why, why are you going early? I said, because you know your grandbaby. You know your kids. You know your kids. And I said, I want everybody to wear certain kind of clothing, plaid shirts. And then I took all the ones that I had because I knew they weren't going to do what I they grown, okay, they grown. Their idea of grown is age. My idea of grown is you pay for your own bills. So they show up, and if you saw the picture, you'd see, man, they got all these plans. Yeah, they're all my shirts. They're my shirts. So after we get done, Pastor Benjamin's taking pictures. It's just a great day. Anytime I can be together with all my clan, all 21 of us are together, it's a great day. And, and I looked on my cell phone. They were running around. He's still snapping pictures, doing video. And there's a message on my phone. And I don't recognize the number. So I play the message. It was from the governor's office. I said, I called the guy back. I said, hey, can you, I'm with my whole family right now. Can you tell them what you just told me? He said, yeah. So I call all the together we're all in a circle and I said there's a, there's a man here he's on mute I said he's he's calling us from the governor's office he has something he wants to say to us so I put it on play take him off mute and he says hi my name is so-and-so I'm calling from the governor's office and I've come to let uh, I've calling to let Sam Huddleston know that he has been fully unconditionally pardoned by the governor of the state my family's crying my wife is crying. One of my favorite pictures of her. She's crying and she's chewing gum and you can the picture. And and Benjamin catches it all on that photograph. And it sits, it sits, it sits on my in my office at home. There it is right there. Because it showed all the years she's been with me and gone through all the stuff. And the little ones, they they don't know what's going on. I said, those are good tears, everything is okay. And then they take off and they go play. But he captured all of that. He didn't, I didn't know it was gonna happen that day. I said, video this, video it, video it. He's videoing it and everything, and he doesn't know. I wanted to pitch in November. Yeah. Yeah. But the picture God wanted me to have was taken in December. When I had, when I had to put my dog down, I went to the, to the, take him down and put him down and as I'm leaving I think it's the Eagles one of those groups was singing you can't always get what you want 
the veterinarian said, you're not going to believe this. You're not going to want to do this, but I'm telling you, you need to go out and get another dog today. I just kind of looked at him and said, man, I'm sure glad my wife didn't die. <laughs> but I understood it later. I understood it later. Picture was for November, the one I wanted. Yeah. You don't always get what you want. Yeah. God's timing is always best. Yeah. That's for somebody here this morning. You've been waiting and you've been waiting, you've been waiting, and God is saying, it's gone. You're in November right now. Yeah, 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 yeah. And what he's saying to you is this. December's coming. Don't worry yeah. about it. He's trying to tell you, I got this. Yeah. It's always a privilege to be here, your pastors. Every time I go somewhere to speak, I say these words. Now, Lord, I just need to, I need to preach to one person, just one. I don't just come and do a shotgun approach. And as I'm preparing the words that I want to share with you this morning, not necessarily a good preacher, but I can tell some good stories. Yeah. I got something for somebody here. And I don't know who you are. Maybe you're at home on the couch in your pajamas. I have no idea. But God's got something for someone. I don't need another place to go preach. I don't put notches on my Bible. I didn't realize until he said I'd been there 17 times. All I know is that he wears himself out for Easter and I get to give him a break on Sunday after Easter. That's all I know. I, I'm, my, friend, my admin, you will say, well, well, who is this? Don't worry about it. Just put it down after Easter. And one day he'll say, I don't, I don't need you to come. And I'll say, then we'll, we'll, we'll fill it in. But right now. So here's the question I want to ask you. Now, those of you that are religious people, you're going to say, whoa, whoa, where is he going with this? Those of you that know the Bible are going to say that. Here's my question. Is there a Rahab in the house? <laughs> Some of y'all saying, what in the world? Wasn't Rahab a bad girl? A lady of the night? And you expect somebody to admit that? Uh, hang with me. Is there Rahab in the house? Father, somebody here, you've got something for them. You want to give them some life with this truth. It's an honor to be here. It's an honor to represent you. And I simply say thank you for all you've done in through my life. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. I probably ought to at least say this for somebody that has ADD because your mind is going 1,000 miles an hour because you're saying, what was he pardoned for? <laughs> That's me. That's me. I'd be going, wait a minute. And then I'd take out my phone. I'd Google his name. And if I couldn't Google his name, I'd just say, hold, hold, preacher, hold on. Touch up, touch up, touch up. So at 17, I went to prison. I was with two other guys. It was a robbery. By the time the night was over, man's life was taken. And my dad used to tell me this, boy, if you're with somebody and they do something, you're just as guilty as they are. And I didn't believe him. But I found out it was the truth. So while I was incarcerated, I say now when I was on my extended stay, I met Jesus. I grew up knowing uh, about Jesus. Got baptized when I was eight years old. But it didn't take effect because I didn't deal properly with what I was dealing with as a result of my parents' divorce. Yeah. 
and daddy keeping all the kids and mama wasn't in our life. And I have told them over and over, daddy's been gone not 12 years, but I used to tell him too, it's not your fault. I had an engagement that I refused to let go of. I had a whole lot of people trying to help me. But I wasn't ready to hear the truth. But one day I was. I am what you would call, I've got jailhouse religion. And it's been with me for over 47 years. Easter Sunday was my 47th year of being out of prison. We were at Concord Mall yesterday because your pastors put us in a nice hotel in Walnut Creek we're with some friends and we're walking to the car and I hear these words, OG, OG, I just, I mean, you know, I just kept walking. But the third time I turn around and I look and he says, are you Sam Huddleston? Now I used to be scared to say that. <laughs> Whoever I was with, I said, no, but they are. They, that's him right there. They, they say I'm awesome. I said, yeah. And he gets out of his, he was sitting in a truck. Did this not happen yesterday, honey? And he walks over and he says, man, I read your book. And then I said, then I don't need to ask you where you read it at. <laughs> he just got out of prison. He's on parole. Said wow. his son died when he was in prison. And he wouldn't take a picture. And I put my arms around him. We took a picture. Wow. And then I just prayed over him. Yes, if I had known that I was going to have 13 grandkids, wow. I would have never wrote that book. <laughs> Here's the reason. I'm pretty transparent in that thing. Yeah. I say a lot of things that happened to me that I probably did, I didn't want them to know. But here's the flip side. Okay, I'm, I'm talking about November. Yeah. Here's the flip side. Okay. When they got old enough, I had to tell them about my life. I told my kids, don't nobody tell them about my life but me. Yeah. And as I told them, they'd get a book. Not, then they'd get a binder with all the things that Papa went through to get a pardon. When they read the book, they think I can relate to anything. Wow. They come and sit at the foot of Papa. Hey, Papa. One of them said, can you come to school and talk to my friends? I said, about what? <laughs> Just talk to them like you talk to us. I wrote the book in November. Yeah. But I get to reap some of that harvest in December. Yeah. I just looked at that young man and prayed with him. I've been thinking about him ever since. Wow. There's a Rahab in the house. Hmm. I'm not one of them long-winded preachers, so better listen quick. <laughs> Here's a backdrop of what I want to read to you. In Numbers 13.1, God says to Moses, send some men to explore or to spy out the land of Canaan, which I am giving to the Israelites. Each ancestral tribe, from each ancestral tribe, send one of its leaders so that the Lord's command, so that the Lord's command Moses, so at the Lord's command, Moses sent them out from the desert of Paran. And since there were 12 tribes, he sends out 12 spies. They go out, they check out the land, they even bring back. If you ever go to Israel, some of you have, one of the, the things that they use, you can buy them almost a t-shirt, a coin, or anything, 
is two men carrying a cluster of grapes. The spies come back, they report, you can read about it in Numbers 13, 26 through 50, 33. They return and, and 10 of them give a bad report. Yeah. Now, <laughs> they, they go so far as to say this. We, they're giants. Yeah. And we, my, my words, we are cockroaches in their eyes. <laughs> now, how do you know? how they see you. But 10 of them were so filled with fear, they give a bad report, and it causes the whole nation to spend 40 years going around in the circle in the wilderness. That's where Billy Preston got that song from, Will It Go Around in Circles? He was thinking about the Israelites going around in circles in that desert. But there was two, there was two, Caleb and Joshua, they said, hold it, time out, Moses, listen. We can take this. We got this. We can take these people. But the ten had stirred up the people so much that the Israelites literally 40 years in the desert. And everyone that was under a certain age, they died in the desert. And God has said, all of you, you won't be going into the promised land until all of you are dead. Can you imagine what would be your prayer? If you knew that all these folk had to die before you were going to enter the promised land and you was nine or ten years old. Jesus, take them, take them. God, take them, take them. I'm tired of this dirt. I'm tired of this. Take them. Moses dies. Joshua becomes a new leader. Now, Joshua, he got some kidneys. He got some brains. He sends out leaders, and the Bible says... In, in Joshua chapter 2, then Joshua, the son of Nun, secretly sent two spies out. He says, go look over the land, especially Jericho. So they went and they entered the house of a prostitute named Rahab. It's, it's in her. Listen, we don't have God figured out at all. That's why this church worships one way, another church worships another way, another Well, I don't like that way they worship. So what? Stay long enough, they might not like you. Before anybody could join our church and we were pastoring, you'd have to be there six months. And they'd say, well, well, no, we love the church. No, 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 no. See, I want you to come and get involved, you know, just watch and just worship Jesus because you might not like us. But that's not what I really wanted to say. What I really want to say was this, and we might not like you. They come, they go out, they check out the land, they go, the Bible, the Bible says, when they get to Jericho, they go to the prostitute's house. We're just talking, okay, it's just us here and whoever else is watching and whoever else might hear. Why did they go to her house? And who told them to go to that house? Go to the house of a prostitute named Rahab, and the Bible says they stayed there. But the king of Jericho, he was told, look, some of the Israelites have come here tonight to spy out the land. So the king of Jericho sent this message to Rahab. Bring out the men who came to you and entered your house because they have come to spy out the whole land. 
Here's Rahab's response. But the woman had taken the two men and hidden them. She, she said, yes, the men came to me, but I, but, but I did not know where they came from. But, and at dusk, when it was time to close the city gate, they left. I don't know which way they went. Go after them quickly. You may catch up with them where the men, where, where, where uh, you'll catch up with them. Now, here's the question. Where were the men? I'll read it to you again. But the woman had taken the two men and hidden them. So where were they? Where were they? She hid them, right? Which meant she what? She lied. She, well, I guess if you're going to do the monkey, lying ain't a big thing. You understand? She lies. I don't know. I don't know where it went. You, you. The Bible says before the spies laid down for the night, she went on the roof and said to them, I know. Now listen to this. I know that the Lord has given you this land and that a great fear of you has fallen on us so that all that live in this country are melting in fear because of you. We have heard how the Lord dried up the water of the Red Sea for you when you came out of Egypt and what you did to Sihon and Og, the two kings of the Amorites, east of the Jordan, when you completely, whom you completely destroyed. When we heard of it, our hearts melted in fear and everyone's courage failed them, failed because of you. For the Lord your God in heaven above and on earth below. We, we, we heard about it. We heard about it. See, it appears that this young lady had knowledge of God, but she had not experienced or seen his power personally. But she's about to. She didn't experience anything until these two men came knocking on her door. She continues to speak. Now then, please swear to me by the Lord that you will show kindness to my family because I have shown kindness to you. Give me a sure sign that you will spare the lives of my father, my mother, my brothers, and my sisters, and all who belong to them, and that you will save us from death. Our lives for your lives, the men assured her, if you don't tell what we are doing, we will treat you kindly and faithfully when the Lord gives us the land. So she let them down by a rope. <laughs> Considering the kind of lady she was, that probably was a well-used rope. <laughs> Nobody wanted to go out the front door or come in the front door. She lets them down, the Bible says, through the window. See, her house, she, she has some money. Because her house was built on the wall. You couldn't just have a house built inside on the wall of the city unless you had some money. So she did well. She had money. She let them down by a rope. For the house she lived in was part of the city wall. She said to them, go to the hills so the pursuers will not find you. Hide yourselves three days until they return and then go your way. Rahab is referred to as a prostitute in four times, four, four times in the, in the Bible, four times in this, just four times. She's referred to as a prostitute in chapter two, verse one, in chapter six, verse 17, verse 22, verse 25. The point is made. You, you don't miss the picture. This is a bad girl. She knew, she says, I've heard. Now, I've heard about you folk. 
I've heard how you did this. I've heard how you did this. I've heard how you do this. It's one thing to have knowledge. It's another thing to respond to that knowledge. The knowledge that she had, now listen to me, impacted her so much. She believed the knowledge so much that she makes a deal for her mama, her daddy, her sisters, her brothers, and all her nieces and nephews. Have you been convinced of the knowledge of the word of God to the degree that you're sharing it with your family? Do you love your mothers and fathers and sisters and brothers and nieces and nephews enough to live the kind of life that they'll start asking you questions? It don't take much because it's crazy out there. No, it really is crazy out there. Four times. The point is made. She's a bad girl. Had knowledge without experience about Israel's God. But that knowledge and experience wasn't enough to make her change. You have to have an encounter with the knowledge. Knowledge and no experience. But once you have an experience, it will change your ever-loving life. And she's about to have one because she's had this encounter with these spies. She knew that danger was imminent. Her knowledge is about to connect with an experience. She cared enough for her family to make provision for their safety. Here's a question. Was this the way that God was going to use to change her profession. See, we don't have God figured out. God uses a prostitute and then plainly puts it in the scriptures. They could have said, and they went to this lady's house. She wasn't really a nice lady. She was kind of a bad lady. They don't say that. See, in the Old Testament, People are always trying to cover up their sin. David's one of them. All of them, they're trying to cover up stuff. But in the New Testament, I'm going to show you in a moment, to get close to God, you've got to come clean. Yeah. You've got to come clean. Was this the way God chose before Rahab was born to get her out of that profession? Is whatever you're involved in right now, is, this, is it God's way of letting you know or letting you see where you're at. Maybe he's trying to say, won't you look down? You look down, and he'll say, what do you see? Nothing. I said, well, that footprint, that's, that's really worn a hole in the dirt. What do you see? Put, put your foot in that footprint. Put your foot in that footprint. Follow that footprint. Let's see where it's going to take you. Follow the footprint. See where it's going to take you. Just follow the footprint. Your foot fits in the footprint because it's your footprint. Keep following the footprint. No, 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 no. Follow it again. Because apparently you like the circle. Because you keep going. Your life keeps going in a circle. Yeah, you go to church and yeah, you do. but, But you ain't making no changes. That knowledge is not changing your life. You know the knowledge, but you're not changing. 
But here's another question. Why, really? What is it in the Bible that makes Rahab worth, worth being remembered and honored? Is it for, for her lying ability? Because she was a prostitute? For hiding the spies? Is it because she cared enough for her family to change? She changed. I'm going to show you. She changed. How do we know she changed? I'm going to read to you from Matthew chapter 1. This is one of my favorite chapters of the entire Bible. It starts off with the genealogy of Jesus. Genealogy. It's simply a record or account of an ancestry of your family. It starts off this way. This is the genealogy of Jesus, the, the Messiah, the son of David, the son of Abraham. Now, now, if you read through this whole list of names, you're going to sit up thinking. See, if you don't think you fit into the kingdom of God, just, just read the first chapter of Matthew. It says Abraham. Abraham is the father of the three greatest religions, Muslim religion, the Christian religion. And what's the other one? Judaism. He's the father. But he was a liar. When he got pushed into the corner twice, now Sarah, listen. Tell them you my sister. Just, just, because if they find out you're not my sister, they don't kill me. Abraham was the father of Isaac. It's amazing the traits that our children pick up. Daddy was a liar. Son was a liar. Just read the text. Then it goes on, and Isaac was the father of Jacob. He was a schemer. All these traits are being passed down, and these are the people we read about in the Bible. These are the ones that we want to be like. Jacob was the father of Judah. <laughs> Judah. If you want to read about the life of Joseph, start in chapter 36, skip 37, because it's about Judah. I know somebody when you get home, where's my Bible at? Let me read about 37. <laughs> Judah, boys died, wife died, and he ended up going and finds another lady who was kind of like Rahab, and she gets pregnant, and he wants to have her stoned because she's been really bad. And she says, I tell you what, go ahead and stone me, but who's the, tell him, who, does, who do these things belong to? Because before she let him come into her tent, she said, what are you going to give me? He gave her some things to hold that were his. So when they got ready to stone her, she said, ask him, who, who are these? So she gets pregnant. She has twins. Judah was the father of Perez and Zerah, whose mother was Tamar. And Tamar was the lady who was married to his sons, who he impregnated. Now he got twins. He's a father-grandfather. Perez, the father of Hezron, Hezron, the father of Ram, Ram, the father of Amimadad, Amimadad, the father of Nashon, Nashon, the father of Salmon, Salmon is the father of Boaz. Watch this. Whose mother was How'd she get in the genealogy of Jesus? whose mother was Raham. Hey, Raham, now watch this. She didn't just become a mother. She became a God-fearing mother. Because all you got to do is go back and read about Boaz. He wasn't just a God-fearing man, but he was a family-honoring man. Yeah. 
when he found out there was some responsibility that was on the family and nobody else in the family wanted to take responsibility, he stepped up and said, I do it. Where did he learn that from? He learned that by hanging out at the Logan Bar in Jerusalem. His mama, when she was confronted with knowledge, yeah. I'll put it another way, truth. Yeah. When she was confronted with truth, yeah. and then when she saw truth personified, oh, got enough for me. Yeah. I got to find some other, I got to find another way because this God that I've been hearing about, yeah. he just showed up. Nobody's ever walked around this city this many times and then started shouting and then the walls just come falling down. It's not just a song we sung in Sunday school. Yeah. It really happened. They say the walls were so wide they would have chariot races on the walls. Wow. But when the children of Israel walked around that city and then when Joshua said, give it a shout, give it a war cry, they gave it a war cry and the walls came tumbling down and Rahab and her family were saved. She in that moment knew that the God of Israel was real. That if he can bring down, listen, if he can bring down the walls of this city, he can bring on the walls in my life that's causing me not to believe in him. Boaz, he's the father of Obed. And then Obed, whose mother was Ruth, righteous lady. Obed was the father of Jesse, and Jesse, the father of King David. Great, great, great grandmother of the greatest king yeah. Israel has ever had. Yeah. And she was How do you know? How do you know that what you're carrying in you or what you're raising around you yeah. is not one day going to be the greatest and you fill in the gap if you but change? That their destiny yeah. is wrapped up in your destiny. And David wasn't really that good of a guy himself. Man, he had a man killed. After he realized his wife was pregnant, he would be sitting right now on San Quentin death row. But if you go to Psalms 51, you find out that he repented. Yeah. The Bible says he was a man after God's own heart. Yeah. When you pointed it out to him, there were no excuses. The prophet came to him and said, there was a man. He had one sheep. There was another man had a bunch of sheep, but he killed him for his one sheep. And David says, who is the man? We'll get him. Prophet looked at him and said, you the man. You the man. You had any woman, anything you wanted. But you killed Uriah. Every time you read about Solomon, It'll always say these words. And his mama was the wife of Uriah. When knowledge, when you're confronted with truth, David was confronted with truth. Rahab was confronted with truth. Your pastors speak every week on 
truth. But the question is, do you respond? In fact, in verse 17 of Matthew 1, it says, Thus there were 14 generations in all from Abraham to David, 14 from David to the exile to Babylon, and 14 from the exile to the Messiah. This bad girl used to run the streets. Ends up being the great, great, great grandmother of the greatest king Israel has ever had to date. Rahab was a lying prostitute used by God to save her family. And she ends up being related to Jesus. What's in your wallet? When my mama was carrying me, she didn't know that one day I'd be meeting the president and senators and all the rest. She also didn't know I was going to go to jail. You don't know. You never know what God wants to really do to your life. Unless you quit feeling sorry for yourself and, and, and let that past go and go after, go for broke. Just go for broke. I graduated from college and still couldn't get a job after I got out of prison. Got out of prison, went and got a, a bachelor's degree, still couldn't get a job. I'd come home so depressed, but I had a wife. She's the first one that says, you need to go to school and, and, and get a doctorate degree. I said, a what? I can't even spell it. Finished high school, locked up. But she had a dream. Ladies, won't you listen to me? You have more power than you think you have, and it's not what you think it is. She had a dream. She said, you should go to school and get a doctorate degree. And I just thought, she'd been a good girl all her life, but she didn't smoke some weed or something somewhere along the journey. <laughs> she having a flashback. But when I walked away, this is what I said. <laughs> a doctorate degree. Doctorate degree. And every time I'd pass the class, she would be happy. And I said, why are you so happy when I pass the class? And, and she goes, because you're getting close to that finish line. What finish line? Don't worry about it. You'll know it when you get to it. Yeah. So I graduate with a bachelor's degree. Then I go back and earn a master's degree. And she gets so excited. Why do you get so excited? You'll, you'll, you'll figure it out. Keep, just keep going to school. So I get a master's degree. Then I get an earned doctorate degree. I said, now, why, why are you so happy? She looks at me and says, I don't ever want to work again, whether you're dead or alive. <laughs> oh, you had a plan. I see. You, you had a plan. I get it. 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 Now she stays home. Just looks pretty, and when I get ready to go to work in the morning, I say, okay, honey, she'll be laying in bed. She may the Father, Son, Holy Spirit go with you. Get out the house. Okay. <laughs> she would tell our grandchildren when they were really smart, may the force go with you. The for yeah, the Father, Son, the Holy Spirit. May the force go with you. May the force go with you. And one day the twins came by, there, and she said, may the force go with you. And one of them goes, I know, I know, I know, I know what it is. And she says, well, go ahead. He goes, the Father the sun and the ghost. <laughs> yeah, you, you get an A minus, but it, you, you, you close. When life is beating you down, when you lose your dream, listen to me. Find somebody who can dream for you. You believe what they believe until you can believe it for yourself. Yeah. Eventually, her dream became my dream. It's our dream now. 
She wants to go with me someplace, she goes. She wants to fly, she can fly. Whatever. It's her choice. And she deserves it. And she drives what she wants to drive. Why? Because she took a man who was, I, I, I was kind of like Rahab, just in a different sense. The first time I ever saw her was my night when I got out of prison. My daddy would come up and tell me about his pastor's sister, how pretty she was. And, and finally I said, hey, Dad, listen, listen, Dad. Your idea of pretty and mine is two different things. I guarantee it. So the night I got out of prison, I go to church. My friends go, man, you went to church the first night you were out. And where else was I going to go? <laughs> and I get to the church, and I'm saying, yeah. Oh, it's Sister Hanson, and there's Mother this, and, and, and who in the world is that? And my dad says, who are you talking about? And my dad had a way of messing with you. I said, that lady right there. She said, which one? I said, Daddy, it ain't but two ladies over there. <laughs> well, what does she have on? And I described to my dad what she has on. And my dad says, oh, you mean that ugly lady? <laughs> I said, what you mean ugly? Man, she's fine, Daddy. Who is she? And why'd you call her ugly? He said, because every time I tell you about it, you tell me she's ugly. That's the preacher's sister? That's what you've been telling me about? Come on, Dad, you're looking up for your boy, man. You're looking for your boy. And four and a half months later, we were married. I asked her one time, why did you marry me? She said, I saw Jesus in you. And then she said, then we got married. <laughs> and she said, I found myself praying, sin Jesus. I know you in there somewhere. Come out, come out wherever you are. This is not a good time to play hide and seek. Now she don't have to work again. Dry where she won't dry. Why? Because she took a, a nobody who didn't even know his head from a hole in the ground. clothes on me. She got me some shoes that if they got wet, they didn't shrink on me. <laughs> you know, $29 pair of shoes, that's a, that was a lot of money for me. I'm just an old country boy used to ride pigs. But my wife had a different idea. Let me tell you what I didn't know. Yeah, I told you, I was kind of like, like right here. But who's being impacted by your life? Yeah. See, God wants you to know that you have greatness in you no matter what you have done. Yeah. So maybe you were like Rahab, really. Or maybe you had an abortion. Maybe you were not a good father. Maybe you were the one who told the girl, let's get an abor abortion. And once you got the abortion, you left. Maybe you've been arrested, maybe you've been in jail, maybe you've been in prison, maybe you are a divorcee. Maybe you're a good person who just doesn't see the need for a deeper relationship with Jesus. Maybe you have a secret that no one knows about, but God does. Or maybe, just maybe, just maybe you're simply afraid of what you think God will ask you to give up. Or maybe you're afraid of what he might do with your life. I was at a concert one day, and I had one of my brothers with me. He wasn't a Christian, and when, they got, when the guy did the altar call, my brother left. And later I found him. I said, well, what made you leave? 
He said, that altar call. See, we, we all raised in church. I said, well, the altar call, well, why did it scare you? And he, my, he literally looked at me and said, I'm afraid of what God might do with my life. And I started laughing. I started laughing. He said, what's so funny? I said, whatever God does, it's a whole lot better than what you've done with your life. <laughs> whatever God wants to do with your life, I guarantee it's better than anything you want to do with your life. Maybe you, you feel that your maybe, you know, you know what your maybe is. You fill in the gap. But you're living with guilt or something that is holding you back from being used mightily by God to possibly save even your family. My wife will tell you, somebody gets sick, somebody dies in the family, you know what they call? They call me, call Sammy, call Sammy. Only people call me Sammy now is my family, call Sammy. Call Sammy. What happened? I had an encounter with truth. With truth. Truth has a name. His name is Jesus. You come to church hoping when you leave you'll feel better. You, you help others but feel there's still no hope for you or your situation. You, you feel better for a minute even when you leave the church, but before the sun goes down, you're rustling with that inner stuff again. Is there a Rahab in the house? Someone who has sinned and you just won't let go of it. But you love your family enough to change. Yeah. Do you really? Your family is suffering because you won't let go. You know, after I got married, one of the things that caused me to change is I saw the pain that it was causing my family. My dad wrote a poem. He said, free in prison. He says, I know that I'm in prison. I don't know when I'll get out. But my soul has been set free, and for that I'm going to shout. When I came into this prison, really it was harsh. Really, I was harsh and mean. Really, it was not the people. My poor mind, it wasn't clean. When I came into this prison, it seemed like going to bury that smile. But since Jesus has freed my soul on my face, I wear a smile. Now, everything seems so different. Every office has a key. I look up and say, thank you, Jesus, for at last you set me free. I used to look around with hatred, sin, and put my mind in smother. Now I look around in love because everybody is my brother. I know one day I did a crime. I know for that I must pay. But I know the Lord forgave me, so I'm free, though I must stay. I pray, Lord, save every inmate. Let your face let every officer see. Because without you, Lord, we're all in prison. With you, Lord, we're all afraid. If you didn't know, if I hadn't told you, you would say the person that wrote that had been in prison. My daddy never, my daddy never rode in the backseat of a police car. Never smoked, never drank. When I read that poem, listen to me. God's talking to somebody here this morning or either out there watching. I read that poem and it touched me in a spot that I had never been touched before because I was still incarcerated. And I said to myself, how could daddy write this poem? How could he write this poem? And it hit me. Every day I was in prison, my daddy was in prison. And I said to myself, I told him, I'll never put a tear in your eye again. I'll never, I'll never break your heart again. Whether you are alive or dead, 
I will never disappoint your name again. I will never, never. Why? Because I, had, I was confronted with truth. And truth made me change for my family. For my son that I fathered out of wedlock and not with her. Truth made me change to be a better man, to be a better son, to be a better father, to be a better brother, to be a better nephew, to be a better grandson. Truth. Truth. The same truth that got a hold of Rahab got a hold of me. Your family is suffering because you won't let go. God wants you to know if you would focus on him, he has a task for you to fulfill that will bring others to the foot of the cross and freedom in Christ. He wants to get you out of the desert of Paran. And stop you from going in a vicious cycle or a circle. I want you to watch something. And I'm going to be done. Watch this video that's coming up. Broken. Shattered. Avoidable. Dirty. Chaotically confusing. Damaged. Sloppy. Unworthy, what a mess. Maneuvering through this mayhem of a life, knowing I'm not the one that pumps this hesitant heart and produces every breath. Nonetheless, I carelessly act like I am. Until one night, I reached my lowest, and I wasn't looking nor asked a question, yet found a love and was shown a light of a heavenly expression. Who dares to declare that me, little old me, can be washed clean. Let's see. Let's see how you could take this deceitful and wicked heart and truly testify treasure. I mean, how? I'm at the bottom of the barrel and completely unaware I wear a crown. How? I'm a mess. See? I'm trying to live a life with Romans 10 on my chest like Lionel Mess. See, not even perceiving my potter says I'm pliable, he's press. Sing out everything unlike him, thoughts, words, actions that are defiable, it's perplex. Sing that a king who in his holiness has every right to look at me and proclaim a creation that's deniable, nevertheless, he validates my very being and tells me I'm beloved, blameless, and desirable. That the debt I owe, been paid. Reconciliation with the Father, been made. Christ is supreme over any and everything. He is a miracle in itself that was made messy for you and me. And as I incrementally understand the grace that was extended, all because a sinless man decided to be selfless, I'm forgiven. It don't matter what comes my way on this journey, everything has to yield. I'm cross-walking into my promise that's already expected but in divine timing will be revealed. So no matter if others see a mess, God sees who you truly are, a miracle in process. All because Christ, the visible image of the invisible God came in a package unlike man's preference. He died signing a peace treaty sealed with his blood in perfect permanence. The tomb was later found empty and we have been crucified with Christ once dead and now alive. In his glorious eminence, we are risen because he is risen and worthy to be praised in all his magnificence.
Now. You know why she looks like me? It's my oldest grandchild. She's named after me. Her name is Samantha. I didn't see it coming. I didn't see it coming. Running the streets, doing my thing, and caring about nobody but me. I didn't see my granddaughter going to an almost $50,000 a year college doing a spoken word. I didn't see my other granddaughter getting ready to go to grad school or my grandson going to college in another state. I didn't see that. I was only concerned about who came through the door and who went down the rope. until I was confronted with truth. You see, God already sees the conclusion of our lives. And that holds a wonderful promise. You don't see it now, but God does. Or like my friend who built Pepperdine University, he was the president and the chancellor, Dr. Norval Young. He would always look at me and say, Sam, your future is as bright as the promises of God. Rehab, Rahab grabbed a hold of her future. Will you? Is there a Rahab in the house? Someone courageous enough to say, I can do better than this. I can do better than this. I can do better. I can, control, I can learn to control my, my attitude. I can learn to control my temper. I can get rid of these habits that I have brought into umpteen marriages. Start having kids and grandkids and I would cry out to God, say, God, please don't let them take my stuff. I don't want them to have my stuff. And I would find myself going to get help from anybody I thought could help me. Yeah. I am with my sons or my grandsons with my anger, with my unforgiveness, with my with my Rahab stuff. Yeah. And he keeps helping me. Yeah. You understand? My wife keeps helping me. She has a way of getting my attention like no one else can. You know, like saying you ought to change, you ought to change, you ought to change, and you wake up and she's gone. That'll get your attention. Oh, so why didn't she tell me she wanted me to change? Oh, my friend said she did. She left you in an empty bed. I bet you're listening now, aren't you? Somebody's here today. You're not a bad person like Rahab. That's not what I'm talking about. She's the example that I wanted to use to extrapolate from the word of God to show you what your life could be. You may not be around to see it. My dad is in heaven. But this morning, I bet you he's smiling, telling the angels again, y'all know who that is, right? And they saying, yeah, we, we, we get it, we get it, we get it. My daddy was a poet. poet. He never was on the screen. My granddaughter writes her own stuff. She, she ain't afraid to go into secular environments to do her stuff because she has a relationship with truth. And she makes her grandmother and grandfather so proud. And then my other granddaughters, they make their grandfather so proud. And my grandsons, I don't deserve 
what I have. But God says, I'm going to give it to you anyway. What he has for you, it supersedes anything you can do for yourself. But you have to do like Rahab, come face to face with truth. Face to face with truth. Don't nobody feel sorry for you. Really. When I got sentenced to prison, the judge says, you got from minimum of five years to maximum the rest of your life. Good luck. And you know what I had? He thinks I had good luck, but I had favor. Should have died in that place, but I had the favor in the hand of God because I had great aunts and my dad and some other. They just wouldn't shut up. They just kept crying out to Jesus until I would change. He's here today. With that brother, can you, can you come up and just play some? I want to pray for you. But I really want to pray. I'm going to pray. Then I want to pray for you. Because somebody here, listen, you have no idea the plan that God has for your life. None. If you knew, you'd run. You really, if I had known, if I had known what God was going to really do in my life, I, I think I'd have ran. If he'd have given me a blank piece of paper 47 years ago and said, Pastor, if, he, if he'd have said to me, Pastor Sonny, if you write it down, I'll make it happen. The way in the world I would have written down a lady with that kind of beauty and character. I don't deserve her. There's no way I would have written down, I like to have X amount of grandkids and I want them to at least be on the path of life. The path of, I want them to, they're all going to have a different, but God, they're going to be different. But I just, I want them to love me. I want them to love their grandmom. I want them when I call them to come over, they'll eventually come. I don't deserve it. I don't deserve to travel the world. I don't deserve to be around the, 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 I mean, the people that I'm privileged to be around. I don't. I don't deserve to be called Dr. Huddleston when I walk into a room. I don't deserve the love and the And the respect and the honor that your pastor has for me. I don't deserve the honor that this couple has for me and their son. They used to be at my church. If I was a jerk, they wouldn't be here. I don't deserve, I don't deserve Brian being here and his wife and his mom and dad. I don't deserve that. But he says, I'm going to give it to you anyhow. Because when I'm confronted with truth, yeah. with truth, I don't want to argue anymore. I want, I, want, I, want, I want a good marriage. I don't want any divorce. I don't want, I don't want, but God, I can't do this. I'm a piece of work, Lord. I'm not only a piece of work, I'm a project. I do not, I do not know how to love a woman. So you got to help me. That's all he was waiting on. That's all he was waiting on. Some of you, you just need to say, you know what, God, you know what I've done. And he says, I know, I was there. But I forgave you. Now come on, let's get over this. Let's get let's, let's 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 get to the program. Let's get to the program. That young man yesterday, you know the saddest part about meeting him was? He says, I read your book when I was young. I read your book when I was young. But he was just getting out of prison on parole. Because he was confronted with truth. But he didn't respond to truth. So if you're able, 
would you stand with me please if you're able and willing would you stand Lord, there's somebody here this morning. You sent Linda and I here this morning because there's somebody you want to totally set free. They know you. They know all about you. They can quote scripture. But they won't let you have total, unadulterated control of their lives to take them <laughs> with their good looks and their education and their money. It could never take them where you want to take them. So this morning in Jesus' name, in the name of the one who came out of a tomb, the one who was referred to as the Alpha and the Omega and the beginning and the end and the first and the last, the one who set Rahab free, the one who set Samuel free, the one who was set everyone that has been confronted with truth and said yes it's in his name that we challenge folks this morning you're here this morning and you say you know what preacher now I get it I thought you was talking about who in here done sold their bodies and da 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 I get it what you're talking about is who has been confronted with truth and has not responded in a way that is pleasing to God I get it and that's me I want you to join me right here. I want to pray for you. Your pastor and his wife. I'm going to pray for both of your pastors. I want you to join me right here. That's you. That's not me. But it is you. I preach with a transparency so that you'll understand. I got nothing to hide. And, and really, you don't either. Read Matthew chapter 1. It tells it all. There's a whole lot of scuzzy people like me related to Jesus. And he, I think he put that in there so that you and I would realize <laughs> We don't have to hide our stuff. And you don't have to tell it to the world either. Just tell it to him. Come join me right here. Because he's worthy of it all. He's worthy of it all. Someone else, come on. God has pierced your heart. You are confronted right now with truth. Truth has a name. You're, you're confronted right now with Jesus. Some of you are so confronted with truth, you, you can't wait for me to shut up so you can get out of here. Come on over to the left. Come to the left. Come to the right. Pastors, come on up on the stage, would you? Come on. Come on, there's some others. You've been confronted with truth. This is your day. This is your day. Ali Ali Oxen for whosoever will let him come. Come on. Come on. He loves you. I'm telling you, he wants to revolutionize your life. He'll shut the door and cut the cord. And he'll introduce you to himself. He'll take you where you've never been. And you can never get on your own. Because he's worthy of it all. Come on, you don't have to be. This is a good, this is a good place. You might even be saying, man, they, I thought I got away with it because I came Easter. But you came back. And truth is was still waiting for you. Come on, somebody else. 
someone else someone else he's waiting on you you know the reason I played with you like this because I know what it's like to be miserable I know what it's like to know about God and yet not surrender someone else you can be a better husband you can do better than you're doing now God has given you a beautiful wife you don't know how to love her and it frustrates you that you don't know how to love her would you come he's here right now waiting on you I've come here today to tell you about a God who says He's worthy of it all. Come on, y'all. Somebody else. One more person. You know who you are. Don't, don't, don't fight the feeling. Come on. Someone else. Come on. Sing this song. It's coming up on the screen. He's worthy of it all. Lift your hands. Those of you this, just lift your hands. Begin to worship the Lord. Bless his name. of it all. I want my wife to pray for you. Honey, come up here, would you please? See, I didn't hear what she told me when she said I saw Jesus in you. What she was saying was, that's why I married you. I want more of him, not more of you. I want more of him. I didn't know what that meant until she left. And then I began to cry out to God. You got to help me. My wife's going to pray. This is a woman that has prayed me through for 47 years in the closet, then a table. I'm so blessed. I am so, so blessed that God brought Linda into my life. Here, sweet. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. 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 Lord, you know everyone that is at this altar this morning, and you know why each one of them have come. This morning, I'm asking that you meet them at their need. You meet them at their need this morning, oh God. Lord, your word says, I know the plans that I have for each and every one of you. And my plans are to prosper and not harm you. My plans are to give you hope and a future. May each one of these people walk in the plan that you have for them. The plan that you had for them before the foundation of the world was even laid. 
May they surrender their lives to you. May they surrender their will to you. May they surrender their ways to you. May they decrease that you might increase. All that they do, may they bring you glory. May they bring you honor. May they bring you adoration. May your anointing rest upon each and every one of these people that's at this altar this morning, oh God. Those have not, those that have not given their lives to you this morning or those that need to surrender their ways to you this morning, oh God. May they surrender this morning. May they surrender their way, their lives to you this morning, oh God. May they say yes to your will, yes to your way. Yes, Lord. Whatever you say, Lord. I surrender my life to you. Fill those with the Holy Spirit, oh God. That needs to be filled with the Holy Spirit this morning, oh God. And everything good that comes out of their lives, we take no credit because our very best is filthy rags. So God, everything good that comes out of us is because of who you are. So thank you, Lord, for infilling us with your presence. Because in your presence, there's fullness of joy. And the joy of the Lord is our strength. So we lay each and every one of these at your feet. And we thank you for their responding to you this morning. In the name of Jesus. Amen.